Hey guys, this is your host Tim Powell from the Minerals and Royalties Council. I recently sat down with Johan Ispa and Craig Kaiser, the co-founders of Landgate, a technology-driven online marketplace that is looking to revolutionize the way that natural resources are bought and sold by giving buyers and sellers access to a plethora of free data and market valuation metrics. Let's jump into the episode and hear more of what Johan and Craig have to say. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us on. Before we jump in and talk about the Landgate story and y'all's careers and where the idea came from, we always like to get some personal context, uh, the executives running all the companies that we do episodes with. So, Johan, we'll start with you. Where you grew up, kind of influences, aspirations as a child, where you went to school, and then we'll get in your career a little bit so you can give everyone some background. I think from my accent, you understand I grew up in Europe, so I grew up near in the south france near spain so i was bouncing between france and spain and i wanted to be a fighter jet pilot when i was younger and i did go to the french air force academy and then at that point a through the french air force academy a a girl changed my mind and then i went to study engineering in in paris so they bachelor in math physics and then civil engineering from Paris and I have another master in geomechanics from the University of Birmingham in the UK. And then I went to gain a master in petroleum engineering from UT Austin. That's where I landed in the US. It was in 2000, beginning of 2002. And then I've been working for many operators, Europe, Middle East, North Africa, North Sea, Russia, you name it, everywhere. I worked mainly for Anadarko for 10 years and gain a master in uh, well MBA, executive MBA at the University of Colorado. And then after that, started working for very wealthy and private equity money after, soon after on the dark and trying to find assets for as cheap as possible and then sell them for much more, right? So that's been the old game for minerals for a long time. And then after that, that gave us the idea with Craig and I let Craig talk more about that to create Landgate. You said you were at Anadarko for 10 years, 2005 to 2015, but you really had a mix of experience, not only globally, but also a little bit on the, the software side and the early goings, and then just a wealth of degrees from different universities. Interesting development up to the point of Landgate, right? And was it that at the very end, working with the high net worth and the family offices that kind of took you in the direction of Landgate? I started working as a geologist and then as a developer for reservoir modeling and simulation softwares. That was in Norway. And then worked as a geophysicist. After that, as a petrophysicist. And then reservoir engineering and more production engineering. So kind of seemed like a lot of um, uh, disciplines in the oil and gas valuation. All the disciplines that are required to get a thorough valuation for oil and gas properties. And then finally working on deals. I've done that at Anadarko, but then I've done that more after that. And then I could put the whole thing together and see the need for what's, what we've created today with Landgate. We'll circle back and pick up on that. Craig, you want to give a little bit of background on yourself personally as well? 
Yeah, sure. I'll jump in. Where I grew up isn't uh, as much of a tourist destination as, as where Yohan grew up, but uh, I'm from Northeast Colorado. I'm an oil and gas guy. I grew up in oil and gas. My dad started in oil and gas, you know, at a very, very young age. So, you know, that's kind of what I knew growing up. I could tell you as a little kid what the price of oil probably was because it greatly influenced what was going on with our family. I think a lot of oil and gas folks probably relate to that today. But, you know, it's kind of funny, me and you wonder we're a really, really good team. We're a good partnership. We balance each other out pretty well. But growing up, we wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And that's actually was uh, recruited a little bit by the Air Force to play football there. Didn't end up going to the Air Force. I went to a small school up in Nebraska called Shattern State, play football there. And the intention there was to transfer to the Air Force. That never happened. Met some really, really good friends up there. Ended up playing football there for a long time. Got a geology degree there. And then shortly thereafter, I graduated in 2009. Wasn't a, a whole lot of job opportunities in the patch at that time. So I went back to school, got a master's degree at the Colorado School of Mines in Petroleum Geology. And yeah, that kind of, I had always been interested in physical sciences and I was very good at an incredibly visual learner. So, you know, geology was always something that came, I wouldn't say easy, but it was very easy to retain that material. So just kind of stayed with that, got a couple geology degrees and went to work right away for Anadarko Petroleum there in Denver, Colorado. Met Yoan and, you know, we can get more into that later on, but uh, when I was uh, playing football, I met my now wife, Elizabeth, and we have four little girls. And uh, we just recently moved out of Denver. We live outside of Colorado Springs now, but that's kind of uh, me in a nutshell there as far as any kind of personal interest or anything. Perfect. And so I'm assuming you kind of alluded to it. You guys crossed paths at Anadarko. And then the other thing on your background, Craig, I see that you have uh, some background with a mining company. So did that aspect of your career tie into the mineral side of Landgate, or is that completely separate? No, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I spent three and a half months living in a tent in the forest of the Kambui Hills of Sierra Leone. I uh, lived with the uh, Minde tribe, and we can spend a, probably an hour <laughs> talking about that alone, but, so I won't get into the weeds there. But it really kind of segues into everything that, you know, Yohan and I are doing on the with Landgate is that when it comes to resources, and it doesn't matter if it's, it's hard rock resources, if it's oil and gas resources, if it's wind or solar or water, really the knowledge base and the understanding of what things are worth are reserved for the buy side of the equation in the vast majority of transactions, at least when you're talking about greenfield exploration or whether that's international or domestic, really at the very basic levels of acquiring land from a buyer's perspective or development perspective, the knowledge and expertise is reserved for the buying side. The owners, the selling side, the landowners, the mineral owners, they have virtually zero resources whatsoever to help give them an understanding of what the resource is worth and where they can become better educated on that. So it did influence what we've been doing. And, you know, I mean, we can get, I'd like Yohan to get into how the idea of Landgate came about and the need that we saw anyway. We had been doing a lot of deals. We had, we'd been working for very, very large companies, working for very, very wealthy individuals or incredibly well-funded private equity groups. And we saw an, a completely one-sided equation to the way minerals were transacted, the way 
hard rock minerals or transacted water, wind, solar, you name it, we saw that that process wasn't very balanced in where knowledge and education was, meaning that when there came to be a balance of who was making good decisions to financially come out on top of those deals, it was typically reserved for the buy side of the equation. But there's really not a whole lot of resources for landowners or really anybody that doesn't have an abundance uh, of capital to spend on this data subscription or this reservoir modeling subscription or this and that for folks that don't have a whole lot of money to spend or don't want to spend a whole lot of money to figure out what their stuff is worth. There's really not a whole lot of resources out there until we came along. Yeah. And I think just to paint the picture for everyone listening, I mean, the age old question in oil and gas is, well, in real estate, you have these online marketplaces and you know, oil and gas is behind. It's archaic. It should be the same, but it's not that easy, right? And that's going to go into your business model and why it's so powerful. Because if I'm going to buy a house in a certain area of the country that I'm not familiar with, for the most part, there's a small number of variables that I can get comps on to get comfortable with the value. And you put that online, you look at it, you kind of see the price range and home with a pool and X number of baths and bedrooms and all that stuff. We'll focus for this episode mainly on, on oil and gas minerals. The intricacies, especially on the undeveloped side, are very complex. And like you said, it's you have to have the technical expertise, paying for access to the resources, being able to understand how to interpret it all. And so daunting, and I think that's why we're in the place we are today versus it just being a digital gap, which is, I think is the common idea of, oh, you just got to create a marketplace and kind of copy the real estate model. Go into what you guys are doing in greater depth to, to kind of tackle that conundrum that I'm, I'm just explaining on how it's not like just real estate and also all of the data and the technical understanding that's needed and how you guys are approaching it. I think it's a really good point. I mean, you, you see all the um, transformations in the real estate industry with Zillow that digitized, you know, and they created the valuations, they created the marketplace, the platform. Uh, when you go look at cars, right, they, Uber, they look at Airbnb as well. All those, what they have in common is they've created a marketplace, a platform where information is free. It's free for the sellers, the buyers. So the data is free. The information is free and the discovery of the service is free. And then they make money on the transaction. You have also like subscriptions and other parts where they actually facilitate. If you look at Zillow, they facilitate uh, agents or buyers to find those deals. So that's something exactly that those industries, they have changed in their and in oil and gas, specifically like minerals that has been lacking. So that part, that's what we've created. Like, so we didn't go and reinvent the wheel. We took things that are very similar to other revolutions that happen in other industries. And the one thing that does change, if you compare, is when you look at real estate with Zillow, the sellers and the buyers are the same, right? You, one day you're a seller, the next day you can be a buyer, right? So, so you're talking about the same segment of the market. Same thing for Airbnb, for Uber, right? The, your drivers and riders, they, you know, they, are the, they are from the same type of market, more or less. Mineral, oil and gas, the buyers are companies. Now, the companies can sell also, right? And we as a company, we're, not, we're working with companies who want to sell assets. But really our focus, what we've been like pushing hard on are, as Craig was saying, the landowners. So you see, you have like two different people. They are not the same. So the, the landowner who's going to sell his or her minerals one day, well, that might be once in a lifetime. And he or she will sell it to a, 
an energy company, an operator. And same thing for solar rights and wind rights. And so these transactions, they are a little bit different, but the platform and the marketplace concept is exactly the same. So what we're doing is we are facilitating the discovery of deals for buyers. The sellers are obviously attracted to the marketplace because they get to know finally how much their property is worth. They get some help and those guys, they, they actually, they don't have money, right? They, they need money. That's why they need to sell or they need to lease. And they don't want to pay $10,000 to get a professional appraisal. Not that we charge that much, but like other engineering firms charge like that much for appraisals. So they don't have the cash to pay for that. And what we offer them is a free information of what's going on around the assets, helping them understand what they own and how much is worth. So that gets them to the marketplace and the platform, like the sellers. Yes, yeah, so we've developed two partnerships, one with Entero Capital Group in Houston. That's to help us. We have a great network of buyers, but obviously working with Entero Capital Group, we're increasing that network of buyer with a very high net worth and individuals that that those guys have in their in their network. So that's really good for, for the sellers. And also on the buyer side, we've built a partnership with National Land Realty. National Land Realty has hundreds of real estate agents throughout the US. And we're working very actively with them to provide all that information of activity, values, of mineral assets and other solar wind rights assets to the landowners through their network of real estate agents. So that's going to add a lot of listings to the website. And then on the other side, the buyers, they are, we attract them by making those deals obviously more discoverable. So we save them a lot of time. They don't need to run title and have an army of people like cold calling landowners. They can find those deals right there. And then the second thing we do is we offer subscriptions where a, they become much more comfortable with buying or leasing that asset. So instead of like spending three, four weeks of resources and time to value an oil and gas mineral asset, they can use our subscriptions and make it in a matter of minutes. So these are the two things we're doing. So we're really easing the transaction from the seller and the buyer standpoint. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the conversation to say thank you to Noble Royalties for sponsoring our Minerals and Royalties podcast. As a leader in the minerals and royalties space since 1997, Noble remains committed to creative solutions for others who may be rethinking their risk tolerance. In order to adjust to the current market cycle, Noble thinks it might be time to reset, rethink, and redeploy capital differently. If you're interested in exploring ways to work with Noble, then please give Chase Morris a call at 972-788-5823 or email him at cmorris at nobleroyalties.com. Thanks, now let's jump back into the episode. Get into the weeds a little bit more. So at a high level, that's a great overview, but it doesn't do justice to the, I mean, you guys have a wealth of data you're giving away for free. I mean, it's wild. Get into the algorithms part of it. Just it's the whole US. It's not just one basin. I mean, it's, it's real time if you can. And you guys have been at this for four years. You're partnered with Rice Investment Group. I mean, you're doing it properly and it takes a ton of time, money and resources to build out the platform you have. Let's get a little nerdy on it and go into the details. I mean, when you say, oh, you know, we're giving some more information, we're helping them value it. You know, explain what that means. I mean, you're giving type curves, you're giving price comps. I mean, it's phenomenal to expel it out. Yeah. I think that will be really 
really helpful for everyone to understand. Yeah, so I just, and I think that even can dovetail a little bit on your previous question of, you know, from the real estate perspective, we don't want to say that it's easy, but it's far less complicated to run with an offset comp model there where you can use offset comps. Everybody can drive by the property, see what's there and tangibly, you know, compare this property to the other. You cannot do that with minerals. And typically what we saw on the landowner side is they'd get a bunch of letters in the mail basically saying, hey, we're buying in this area. We'll give you $400 an acre for this, whether it's a purchase or a lease and take it or leave it. I know what it's worth because I'm here at your door and that's what you're going to get. And I mean, Tim, you know, that's not the way resources are valued, right? There's certain guidelines, you know, there's certain types of reserves categories that you can put certain discount rates on for whether it's a flowing barrel, whether it's a proven barrel, whether it's an exploration barrel, all of those things have real value, but you have no clue what those are going to be worth from a selling perspective or value perspective, unless you have that technical detail. So to your point there, Tim, you know, we're technical guys. I mean, that's where we've spent our entire career. Yohan's seen about every level of valuation technical roles that you can follow. I mean, I've been a geologist for a very long time. We've been valuing those different reserves for a very long time. And we did very, very well. It was an old model that everybody still does of getting a data subscription, paying a lot of money just for the data up front. Then you've got either like an Ares or Power Tools or PhD Wind subscription on top of that. You got a Petra subscription or geographic subscription. So you'd have this, this huge stack of costs up front before you even start running the valuation. And Yoan came up with the idea one day. And I remember, I still remember the street corner in downtown Denver where we met and Yoan said, well, what if we do the same thing that Zillow's done, Uber has done, Airbnb, all of the technical revolutions that have happened in majority of other industries, but not in oil and gas. Let's make a website where people can value these highly complex reserves and do it very quickly. So we're like, yep, all right, let's do it. Let's swing hard at it. And for two years straight, we didn't really tell anybody what we were doing. It was just gathering the data. Like you said, we have oil and gas data across the country and people out there are probably listening is like, oh, okay, they're like Enverus or drilling info or IHS. We're not. We put the first thing we did, the very first piece of data that we pulled down, scraped, cleaned up, put on the website, it was free. And the very last piece of data that we've uploaded to the website right now is still free. So that's a radically different model than what people have typically seen in the oil and gas world. It's typically, you know, yeah, you've got all these great services, but you're going to pay for every bit of it. The first thing we did was put nationwide production, well results, permits, operators, really, really user-friendly, well filters. We put all that on a website and a map that people can use absolutely for free. Now, the reason why we did that is we chose to go with a different model that rather than what the industry has been seeing for the last you know, 30 years, because I don't think that model is gonna continue to work in my opinion, but all of the data, all of the tools that we've built and put on the website for use, we use ourselves. You know, We value, we put a mineral value on every parcel across the United States, and that's not an offset comparison. It's like I said, the offset comparisons in minerals don't work. You can have one section that is completely under production and it's been under production for 10 years and there's not a lot of reserves yet and you can go across the section line across the county road into a new section and what people say is like oh you know it, we know what the values are here they have no clue if there's 10 wells 10 ducks sitting there in the other section well there's radically different values between those two parcels and they're you know 
know, 20, 30 yards apart. So all of the tools, all of the algorithms, all of the type curves, and like you said, Tim, we do it. We don't focus on the Permian or the Williston or the Marcellus or the DJ or Powder. We've done it all, and we did a we spent a, a heck of a long time on the technical side, getting the technical data right. Because if you can get the technical data right, all of the algorithms and understanding of how to come up with the values, you know, that's absolutely won't call it easy because Yohan could show you an equation that's two pages long. It's not easy at all. But if you don't have the technical data right to begin with, it's garbage in, garbage out. And that's really what we do much differently than anyone else that's in this space is we didn't start by trying to get anything and any everything listed and put onto a map that provides virtually no services. We went the opposite way. We created some incredibly useful services that we saw needed to exist for sure on the seller side, but now in a post negative $40 per barrel world where every operator and every private equity group, everyone who values mineral is trying to look and see where can we save a little bit of money. What we've built, absolutely. And I mean, better to be lucky than good, but you know, we've been working on this for four years. We absolutely didn't see COVID coming. We didn't see negative $40 per barrel, but I tell you what, the timing for what we've built and where we're at in the market really couldn't be any better from whether it doesn't matter what perspective you're looking at it, whether you're looking at it from a buyer's perspective or a seller's perspective, what we've done, they don't need a $80,000 subscription to run it, to be able to become educated and really know and get a really, really good idea of activity, production results, permitting activity across the country, and they can get that for free. I mean, that's stuff that we're offering for free. That's not even getting into some of the subscriptions that Yohan talked about, which are still a tiny fraction of what they're typically, that they're likely already paying for some sort of other service. I'm going to say something that's quite obvious, right? Minerals buyers traditionally don't want to buy minerals on a marketplace. They want to do it private. They want to do it negotiated. There's a connotation that if I buy it on an online marketplace, it's either going to be a shitty asset or it's going to be bid up and I'm not going to get good value for it. Now, I'd love for you to defend that, but I think the whole key to this game in minerals is the hit rate and trying to do everything you can, handwritten letters in the mailers and text, automated text messages and mining certain types of data and newspapers and all sorts of different stuff to try to figure out who's a motivated seller. One of the biggest frictions is, hey, you're coming, you're knocking on my door. I don't know who you are, but and you're offering me a million bucks for my minerals. Is that good, bad? You must know something I don't. And there's an inherent uphill battle there for minerals buyers. There is a transformation that's needed and we've seen the transition. I'll give you examples of subscribers, mineral buyers that we have on, uh, on Landgate right now. What they're seeing is they're saving a lot of money and they're saving a lot of time. So we always going to have like the traditional mineral buyer who's saying, hey, what I've been doing for the past decade is running title on a square mile, paying $10,000 or so, and then the running title and then spending a lot of money on an army of landmen trying to call, call people. And then they get what, like maybe 2% success rate on that of deals that they are buying. So they're buying those deals at a low cost because the landowner does not have any information, but they're spending a lot of money to 
discover that deal and to get to it. That's where we save them that time. So it's going to take time for everyone to understand that. But the ones that the subscribers we have and the, the mineral buyers using LandGate are seeing the value there, that they can save a lot of time. It's a different process. And from a also from mineral buyer standpoint, I can Craig and I can tell many mineral buyers have a, they've actually lost money buying deals that were not good. So even them, they need help to understand what those deals are worth. So getting easy reserves reports that they can obtain the capital from investors, feeling good about what they're going to buy. And that's, I think, the great value that we have for mineral buyers. Yeah, I'll just add something quickly is I think, Tim, your point of and what Yohan was saying there, you know, they spend a bunch of money up front to run title. They send out thousands and thousands of letters that the vast majority of those letters don't even get opened and get thrown in the trash. The other ones, you might the 2% that you might get a call back, you're going to get the mineral owners that think that their minerals are worth a million dollars an acre. And that's not an exaggeration. We've had plenty of folks call us and say, okay, yeah, I'm willing to sell. We want to list it. And we, we let them know what a fair market value is on those minerals. And it's not a million dollars an acre like they were anticipating. A lot of the times what we do, what our job in that process, the A&D process for minerals, is letting mineral owners know, especially since February, when we've had, we've seen price of oil crack over $40 a barrel a handful of times is setting an expectation and an understanding of what the minerals are actually worth. You know, mineral buyers and operators have really kind of shot themselves in the foot over the last eight years of spending $100,000 an acre down in the Permian. And the idea that mineral owners don't talk to each other and that they don't know about, they remember that, right? <laughs> They'll remember $100,000 an acre of purchase price and that'll sit in their head now, they won't remember the news article that says there's a certain default rate in the oil and gas industry. So really how we see our job in that process, which we've known very long and it really hasn't changed in 100 years, is yes, we're educating sellers, but the education mostly goes into setting an expectation of what a realistic value is. Even if your cold calls or your letters get a response, you still have to get to a point where you have a seller that has an expectation of what what a realistic market value is. And basically what I do on a daily basis is talk with sellers and buyers. So I have a really good understanding of what the buyers in the mineral market are thinking and seeing right now. I have a really good idea of what the sellers in the same space are doing right now in this current market. And that's our big role right now is getting sellers a deal that they're happy with and they're getting a, a fair deal, but also getting deals for buyers that they're happy with, that there's still enough meat on the bone there for them to make a good acquisition. Like Yohan said, they understand that they're getting a good deal, right? They can come, they can look at the data room for that property. They can see how much reserves are in the ground still, see what the difference is between, you know, see how much PUD reserves are there, see if there's any kind of upside and they can get a really good understanding of what they're buying and get a deal closed. We've had some deals on the website that have been on for three or four days and the criticism of that I don't want to buy anything on an open marketplace. You know, if someone's been doing business and picking up minerals from a grandma in a nursing home for the last 10 years, they're probably not going to going to buy anything from any kind of seller, regardless if it's minerals or they're buying wheels down at the swap meet. They're not going to buy anything from any kind of seller who has any kind of idea of what their stuff is worth. So, I mean, the industry's seen a contraction. 
what we've seen on the buying side is that there has been a bit of a contraction on the leasing side, the more of exploratory capital spends, and that's for obvious reasons. But for purchasing of good minerals and, you know, sophisticated buyers, they know where they're at with good minerals. They just don't need to be in a certain county with a certain level of monthly pay. You know, it's still been very active and we were closing deals regularly. And what we feel is really, really good for us is it's returning customers. So the folks who have discovered what it is we're doing, all of the tools we're putting on top of it and understanding of the assets they're buying, they're coming back, make offers on additional properties. And like Yohan said, this is a different process. So when we first started, that was what typically that was the questions, Tim, is, okay, well, how does this process work? Is there a deadline? Are these your properties? Are you flipping this stuff? And the answer to those questions are no, these are not our properties. We're not flipping them. We have no ownership whatsoever in any of the deals. And it's not an auction. I'm not a fan of auction. If I have something that's very valuable, the last thing I'm probably going to put it on is an auction. And, you know, whatever I get, I have to take it or leave it. Ours is, you know, it's basically their seller that have something that they're interested in selling. And when an offer comes in front of them that they're willing to accept, then they can accept it. But there really is no timelines in the deals. It's just whenever an offer comes in front that meets the expectations. And I'll just stress that one more time. That's a big part of what we do is setting those expectations, letting them know that, you know, it's not 60, 70, $80 a barrel anymore, that this offer that just came in, here's what it means. That's roughly, they're giving you a $45 price deck and they're running running it out X amount of years, and here's the discount rate they're giving you, and helping them understand rather than them being offended about an offer that they might not think is fair, walking the sellers through the process of this is what it is. Sometimes they're fair, sometimes they're low, but having an educated seller in something that they know nothing about is a good thing. Otherwise, they're going to have way too high expectations or they're going to feel they're getting taken advantage of and you're never going to get a deal done. I mean, our success rate as far as offers coming in and getting deals done is fairly high. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the conversation to say thank you to Noble Royalties for sponsoring our Minerals and Royalties podcast. As a leader in the minerals and royalties space since 1997, Noble remains committed to creative solutions for others who may be rethinking their risk tolerance. In order to adjust to the current market cycle, Noble thinks it might be time to reset, rethink, and redeploy capital differently. If you're interested in exploring ways to work with Noble, then please give Chase Morris a call at 972-788-5823 or email him at cmorris at nobleroyalties.com. Thanks. Now let's jump back into the episode. Yeah, so, I mean, you guys are providing market therapy on behalf of the mineral space is really what you're doing. I mean, that that's just the saying that anyone in the deal space knows, right, is, well, the seller just needs three, four months of more pain. But really what it is, is just education of, wow, this is really where the market's at. And whether it's a couple more months of lower check stubs or, you know, not getting the offers they want or whatever. And so you can expedite that by transparency and showing them all the cards in the deck, right? So I'd like to kind of end the episode on any interesting trends you're seeing, because I think you guys have a plethora of data and bird's eye view on what's going on. So anything interesting there, I think would be a great way to close it out. But you know, before that, just a little bit of, of a plug for Langate. I mean, how many listings do you have? How long has the actual marketplace side of it been live? And are deals getting done? Is it concept phase? Have you done a transaction here, transaction there? It's 
promising or are you guys turning deals over? I think all this is great in theory, but will deals get done is the punchline that I think will ultimately attract buyers and sellers and repeat uh, buyers and sellers, right? So I'll let you guys kind of go into that basin coverage, number of assets, if you want to do it by number of deals or number of eight NRAs or whatever, and then let's end it with some trends. I think it would be really interesting. So obviously we had to start somewhere, Tim. So we started with uh, free data in, uh, in the Rockies and then expanded to the whole US and, and the marketplace. We started marketplace middle of last year. And so it's been fairly recent, right? Like if you if you had other, other more traditional, I would call like mineral shop out there. So it's been fairly recent. We've had over $100 million of closings on the marketplace in a declining market. Wow. So while the market was declining, we were increasing our sales. And so it's been like very exciting. And the trend is clearly going there. The marketplace for the different reasons we've talked about, right? That makes it easier for the seller, makes it easier for the buyer. And the buyer gets free data. They get to look at wells. They don't need to pay subscriptions for data subscriptions. They don't need to pay ARIES or other reserves software. They don't need to have like a bunch of like a very large overhead of resources and people to help them get those deals. So they can focus on what really adds value to them. So the trend is going there. And clearly, like, I think you've seen some press releases out there of people calling us the, the Zillow of land resources. What really made Zillow is the Zestimate and the platform they created. The fact that they provide this information to the sellers and the buyer, and they provide this understanding of the value of the property based on the information input by the sellers. And that's really what we created. That's the key part of that is the land estimate. And that, that's what has been differentiating us from other wannabe marketplaces. Because if you just open a marketplace and you have, hey, sellers, come, I have nothing to offer, but just come list your properties with us, then really that's not a really marketplace. That's going to fail. So we have the free data. We've invested millions of dollars to get all that free data for oil and gas, well data, the production data. It's the best production allocation I've ever seen, right? So, and I'm not going to name other data providers out there, but they make people pay like tens of thousands of dollars for not hundreds of thousands of dollars for the whole year. And there's not even like good production allocation. They are on not anything. We have data for solar. We have data for wind, for water and the valuations, obviously the land estimate for the minerals. We have them for the solar rights and we plug them in in, in the system right now. And the way landowners see that, and Craig talks to much more landowners, so I let him like talk more about that. But the way landowners see that is they see their land as a source of revenues. So whether it comes from mineral rights and or whether it comes from solar rights, wind rights, water rights, and mining rights. And that's how I think the trend where it's going, where we see mineral buyers more interested in solar rights and wind rights and maybe having a portfolio that's mixing a little bit of minerals with a little bit of solar. And we see the same trend with the landowners. Like the landowners see that they can make money on the minerals, but they can also make money on solar rights as well. I'd say the one specific trend that we have seen since February, strictly to oil and gas minerals, is that it seems to be that gas is starting to become a little bit more in vogue, where typically over the last eight, nine, 10 years, people didn't want to touch gas, even from a mineral buying perspective, from an exploration type perspective. It seems to be that gas is 
at least of the favorability to a liquids play versus a gas play. I mean, at this point, I'd say it's almost 50-50, which is pretty radical shift versus the last, you know, like I said, eight years. It seems that gas is starting to become something that's it's not frowned upon to go after. I would agree with that. You know, I'm not looking at hard data like you guys are, but I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I, I just speak with hundreds of mineral CEOs and I see an uptick in transactional activity in the Haynesville and Appalachia. I think that's largely driven by you haven't had the price drop that you've seen in oil. So the bid ask spread isn't there. These mineral owners also haven't been given outrageous offers the last five, six years. So they're, especially in Appalachia, a little bit more beaten down, if you may, and more willing to get a deal done. And then on the institutional side, you know, the futures curves look really good. So folks are willing to come in, buy, lock in a hedge and get their returns. And so you can see transactions happening. They can be underwritten from that perspective. So it's interesting to hear that you guys are seeing similar trends as well. And I don't know, listen, congratulations, hundred million in transactions. That's especially in minerals, right? I, I think in minerals, a $5 million deal is a real deal. $5 million deal in upstream oil and gas is peanuts. So $100 million is a real number, and that means it's working. And that's mid-2019 to current, and it's really the world's melted down. I mean, it's not like it's a frothy market. So that's fantastic. Just keep doing what you guys are doing, and it's for the greater benefit of buyers, for sellers. It's just transparency is a good thing at the end of the day, right? And I appreciate you guys coming on. It's a great story, and I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you, team. Yeah, absolutely, man. We really appreciate letting us get on and tell our story and explain to folks what we're doing. So like I said, I mean, it's, we're not a software. You're not downloading anything. All you got to do is landgate.com. And uh, there you are at your fingertips is a, a whole bunch of, uh, like Yuan said, we've spent millions and millions of dollars getting that data out there. It doesn't cost you anything to go and take a look at it. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you again. And we look forward to keeping in touch. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. The Minerals and Royalties Council represents the largest network of senior minerals and royalties focused executives and investors in the world. Throughout the year, we leverage our relationships and industry knowledge to facilitate introductions on behalf of our royalties clients to help them place capital, buy and sell deals, and form new partnerships. If you're interested in learning more about how we can help your team, then please email me at tim.powell at energycouncil.com or visit our website at www.energycouncil.com forward slash minerals dash royalties dash council forward slash. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to share these episodes with anyone in your network that you think would enjoy. Thanks and see you next time.